Thank you, Pierre, and thank you, worship team. Good afternoon, everybody. Did I share a scripture with you this week? Am I it? So you guys won't know, but everything, he, not everything, most of what he said now is what I'm preaching about. So I'm sitting there getting goosebumps going, what did I tell him? I didn't tell him anything. And so you might sit there thinking, well, this is um, orchestrated. It's not. And you'll see when we get there. So, um, so in fact, what happened was at the beginning of the week, I, st I started with a scripture. And like I normally do, I then put a preach around it and I build on it and so forth. And that's what I was planning to do. And then I went to the scripture and I decided to read around it. What's the context of the scripture? Where does it come from? And, and so forth. And so today I have to, unfortunately, just read you the context of the scripture. And I'm going to expand on it a little bit. I think the fancy word is expository. So we're going to look at what the Bible says. And I really hope today that it speaks to you like it spoke to me. Because it really spoke to me. And you'll hear echoes of what things that Pierre said this afternoon come out in the scripture. So just a little bit of context before I start. Um, we're going to read out of Chronicles. Um, so, and I just want to repeat this so that you can keep the picture at the back of your mind. We know that David settled the Israelites in the promised land. And then he gave the plans for the temple to Solomon. Solomon built the temple and Israel was one country. All the 12 tribes settled and everything was peachy. And then straight after Solomon, the wheels came off. And Israel divided into two kingdoms. A northern kingdom called Israel, which consisted actually of 10 tribes. And the southern kingdom called Judah consisted of two tribes, Judah and Benjamin. Okay. And sadly, from the time after Solomon, they never, ever reconciled. In fact, the ten kingdoms in the north fought wars against the two kingdoms in the south, or the two tribes. And you, you, like, you look at that and you go, like, what were these people thinking? And during the reign of the king, so what happened? There was King David in charge of north and south, one kingdom. Then there was Solomon, and then they split. And then each kingdom had their own kings. Like, how ridiculous does it get? Okay. And the Bible records that there's about, there's about um, 40 kings that reigned between the two kingdoms. It says that the 19 kings that reigned in the north in Israel, none of them, not one, did good in the eyes of the Lord. Every one of them did evil. Okay? And in fact, in Chronicles, they don't even get a mention. In the southern kingdom in Judah, there are five kings that did good, that were considered righteous. And today we're going to read about King Asa. And he was kind of one of the five, but he wasn't. He actually didn't make it into the category of five. He's one of those borderline gray areas. And you'll see as we go through the scripture. Okay, does that make sense? All right. So we're going to pick up in Chronicles um, 2 verse 15, uh, chapter 15, and it says this. The Spirit of God came upon Azariah, son of Oded. And he went out to meet King Asa and said to him, Listen to me, 
Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, the two southern tribes. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. So let's just stop there. What did Pierre say? He said it right in the beginning and he said it right at the end. When you seek the Lord. I didn't prep him. I promise you I didn't prep him. That scripture says, and this is um, Azariah talking to King Asa. And he says to him very clearly, if you seek him, he will be found by you. In other words, God responds to something that we do. He's everywhere all the time. But he will only respond to you if you seek him. And the danger, the mistake that we make, I think, sometimes is that we take God for granted. We treat him like Siri or what's the other name? Alexa. Alexa, tell me a joke. Siri, what's the weather? God, can you? We treat him like that. It's not really seeking him. It's just wanting something from him. And it's interesting on that scripture that um, when Moses, Moses who wrote the law or got the law from God, when he handed over to Joshua, he did a speech, if you go find it. The first third of the speech was, if you obey God, he'll bless you. He'll look after you. He'll take care of you. But the second two-thirds of his speech were warning. But if you don't seek him, if you're not faithful, if you don't follow him, if you're not listening to him, this is what will happen. So it's one-third of promise and two-thirds of warning. And it's reflected in the scripture that says, if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Let's carry on with verse 3. So it says, for a long time, Israel, it's talking about the north and the south, was without the true God. Without a priest to teach and without the law. But in their distress, it's talking about King Asa, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him. And what happened? He was found by them. Now it says in verse 5, In those days it was not safe to travel about, for all the inhabitants of the land were in great turmoil. Stop there a moment. You know, people moved around the countryside. It's saying that, quite simply, you couldn't leave the city at the risk of your enemy next door, of robbers. So it was, what was lacking in this place? Peace. There's no peace. And the enemies would attack and steal your flocks and they would come against the city and raid it and steal and destroy and pillage and take the women and children and whatever they could get their hands on. So it says clearly there was no peace in those days. One nation was being crushed by another and one city by another because God was troubling them with every kind of distress. What? See, God's shouting at them, hey, you've forsaken me. Look what happens when you forsake me. Life is trouble. He's almost crying out to them, hey, don't forget about me, because I haven't forgotten about you. So he allows distress in the land. And then in verse 7, Azariah carries on. He says, but as for you, be strong. Do not give up. 
for your work will be rewarded. Now, without trouble, we don't have courage, do we? Strife, trouble, problems build us up in courage, don't they? So the prophet is saying to him, but as for you, be strong, stand strong and don't give up for your work will be rewarded. It's a promise. So when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Azariah, son of Oded, the prophet, he took courage. He took courage. And then it says, he removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin, from the towns he had captured in the hills of Ephraim. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the portico of the Lord's temple. So he got a word from the prophet. The prophet told him to be courageous. So what did he do? Well, he did something. He responded. He knew what was not pleasing to God. The detestable idols, the altars, etc. He did something. He didn't just park off and go, okay, well, you know, God says I must be strong, so I'm going to be strong, and then leave things the way they are. No, he jumped into action. It says, in verse 9, then he assembled all Judah and Benjamin and the people from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon who had settled among them. For large numbers had come over to him from Israel, the northern kingdom, when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. What happens when you clean things up and you stand firm and you seek the Lord? People are attracted to you. People are defecting from Israel in the north. To come to, south, to Judah in the south. Why? Because there's peace. They assembled at Jerusalem in the third month of the 15th year of Asa's reign. And at that time they sacrificed 700 head of cattle and 7,000 sheep and goats and blah. Whew, shame. They entered into a covenant. Now listen to this verse 12. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers. With all their heart and soul. Isn't that an echo of something in the New Testament? Seek first the kingdom of God and his okay? Seek the Lord with what? All your heart, mind, and soul. All, verse 13, he says, All who would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, were put to death. Enoch, whether small or great man or woman. Well, the truth is, if you don't seek the Lord, you're dying. Maybe not a physical death, but if you don't seek the Lord, you're going to die a spiritual death. Which I think is worse than just a spiritual death. In verse 14, it says, they took an oath to the Lord with loud acclamation with shouting and with trumpet and horns. All Judah rejoiced about the oath because they had sworn it wholeheartedly. They sought God eagerly and he was found by them. And so the Lord gave them what they wanted, rest on every side. Goes on to say in verse 16, King Asa also deposed his grandmother, Marka, from her position as queen mother because she'd made a repulsive Asherapol. And he cut the pole down, broke it up, and burned it in the Kidron Valley. 
He did not remove the high places from Israel, but his heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life. And verse 18 says that he brought into the temple of God the silver and gold and the articles that he and his father had dedicated. And there was no more war until the 35th year of Asa's reign. So peace came in year 15. 20 years later, it says, there, for 20 years there was no war in the land of Judah. Why? Because he sought the Lord. He found him. Makes sense. So now, by that reckoning, we should say, well, then Asa should be like one of the top guys. Because he should, shouldn't he? Like he's done well. And I would agree with you there. Okay. But then in the 36th year, let's read on. In the 36th year of Asa's reign, Baasha, king of Israel, king of the northern kingdom, went up against Judah and fortified Ramah, which was a town between the two halves, to prevent anyone leaving or entering the territory of Asa, king of Judah. It's fortifying the border between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom to stop the travel of people. Maybe he was losing people from the northern kingdom to the south and he got jealous. So he started fortifying, but not only to stop the movement of people. Fortification is actually a prelude to war. So he started fortifying Ramah. So Asa then took the silver and gold out of the treasuries of the Lord's temple. He stole them out of God's temple and of his own palace and sent it to a guy called Ben-Hadad, king of Aram. Now Aram was situated to the northeast of Israel. And Aram, Ben-Hadad, was his enemy. But he sends gold and silver to Ben-Hadad who's ruling in Damascus, and he said, let there be a treaty between you and me, as there was between my father and your father. See, I'm sending you silver and gold. Now break your treaty with Baasha, king of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. So Ben-Hadad agreed with King Asa and sent the commanders of his forces against the towns of Israel. He attacked the northern kingdom. And they conquered Ijon, Dan, Abelmaim, and all the store cities of Naphtali. And when Baasha heard this, he stopped building Ramah and abandoned his work. Then King Asa brought all the men of Judah, and they carried away from Ramah the stones and the timber that Baasha had been using. And with them they built up two of the cities. You see what he did? He went to his neighbor for help. Something happened in the 20 years between the 15, when he needed peace, year 15 and year 35. What do you think it was? I'll tell you what I think it was. Comfort. Complacency. Life had become peachy, safe, and easy. I think that's the biggest danger to us today. When things go well, we take our eyes off the Lord. So at that time, in verse 7, it says that Hanani the seer, or the prophet, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has 
escaped your hand. Which means you could have had him. He's your enemy. But now you've made a treaty with him, which you need to honor. So now, even though he's still your enemy, you can't do anything about it. You could break the treaty, I suppose. But you've made a treaty, right? And if you had gone to the Lord first, what he's saying is, we could have overruled this guy. We could have Big mistake. In verse 8, he says, We're not the Cushites and the Libyans, a mighty army with great numbers of chariots and horsemen. Yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. Verse 9, and this is the key scripture that I want you to read. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He says, you've done a foolish thing and from now on you'll be at war. But let's just go back to the beginning of that scripture. For the eyes of the Lord, God is constantly looking. Constantly looking. Roaming the earth. In fact, I don't think God has to move around the earth. God can see around the earth anyway. But he's constantly looking. He's looking for what? He's looking to strengthen. He's looking to give of himself. He's looking to support and help and lift up and stand in the gap and be there for us. For who? For those whose hearts fully committed to him. Get goosebumps. God will respond. But who takes the first step? We do. Don't we? We need to commit ourselves. We take the first step towards him. And then he responds. We have to make that commitment. God is sovereign and all-powerful, right? And in a moment he can knock us down and knock us out. And, but he doesn't. He beseeches us. He seeks us. He cries out to us, please seek me first. Doesn't that Matthew 6.33? Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And in fact, that word, we've said it before. It's What's it? A um, present, present continuous verb. In other words, seek the Lord today and keep seeking him. And I love that. 2, uh, 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord. Now you might have said in the first one where he goes to King Asa and he says, Listen, if you seek him, you'll be found by you. Ah, but that's the prophet talking to King Asa. But this is the character and the nature of God. And it's not just for Asa. It's for you and me. Sadly, it says in verse 10, Asa was angry with the seer. Because of this, he was so enraged that he put him in prison. And then Asa brutally oppressed some of the people. And then it goes on in verse 12. And it says, In the 39th year of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Though the disease was severe, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. So does that mean we can't go to doctors? Of course not. Of course we can go to doctors. But what did he say in the beginning? What did he say? Seek first the Lord. And so, twice at the end of his reign, he failed. Twice he failed. He didn't seek the Lord. And I just wonder amongst us, and anyway, so 
bringing this into land. <laughs> so I was like, okay, Lord, this is powerful. I love this. I mean, this is Scripture just speaking out loudly for, for us to enjoy. It's like, okay, but what about, what about us today? Because sometimes you have naysayers are like, yeah, but that's the Old Testament. You know, that's history. And King Ace is long dead and buried and what have you. And that's in the past and so forth. And so, so what is, like, how does that, what does that mean to us today? And so I, I wrestled a little bit with that. And I was like, okay, Lord, so what are you calling us to do? Because, <laughs> again, Peter's stealing from my preach. Um, Moses, who took the Ten Commandments on the tablets, put them into the Ark of the Covenant, and we know the Ark of the Covenant went into the most holy place in the temple, right? The only thing that was there. And um, actually, the Ark was the wrath of God. Ten Commandments are the wrath of God. And when the curtain was split, <laughs> suddenly, actually, the wrath of God should have been poured out. But the reason the temple, the curtain in the temple split, was because the blood of Jesus now becomes the veil. God's wrath has not gone away. His wrath remains. But we're protected from it by the blood of Jesus. But his judgment remains. What's coming at the end of time is still coming. It's not going to change. But by the blood of Jesus, we stand protected. Right? So we don't live by the Ten Commandments specifically. We don't live by Leviticus. and We don't specifically live by it, but we measure ourselves against those, as I preached some time ago. But how do we live? I felt the Lord say to me this. We live by grace through faith, and we should live by fear. And I'm not talking about a knee-knocking fear when you tremble. I'm talking about a godly, reverent fear that remembers that God is holy and he will not tolerate sin. He does not tolerate sin. And so the fear that I'm talking about is the kind of fear that where the Bible says the fear of the, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When you cause to be wise, you understand like Solomon did when God asked him, what do you want? What did he say? He didn't ask for long life and money and all those things. He said, I just want to be wise. And God clearly gave him wisdom, but didn't give him enough wisdom to not take a thousand concubines and not raise his kids properly because he lost it in that way. That's why the kingdom went pear. So we need a healthy fear of the Lord. And I know that's a preach all on its own. But I wanted to leave us with that. And I want to show you a scripture. God in his magnificent wisdom. I'm going to go to the book of Acts. I'm going to read a scripture and I'm going to end with this. And it's just after Paul. Saul becomes Paul and the Bible says this. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened. And encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. You see how what we've just read in Chronicles is wrapped up in that scripture. Strengthened by the Holy Spirit. What did Azariah say to, uh, to, to King Asa? Be a man of courage. Seek the Lord. It says that the church was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. They enjoyed a time of peace and they grew in numbers. Why? Living in 
a healthy. Not a knee knocking, not an afraid, a healthy fear of the holiness and the goodness of God. Amen.